Good morning. Let's pray together. Lord, we do pray that you would open our eyes in order to see you and open our ears to hear you through the music and now through the word. And Lord, may it just help us to draw closer to you, to know more of you, and to walk with you in a close way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I've got some good news and bad news this morning. The bad news is the way our country is moving further and further away from God. But the good news is that we're entering into this season of thanksgiving. And then after that, the season of of welcoming our Savior into the world, which should also increase our thanksgiving that God sent his son to die for our sins. So it's a good time of year. It's a time when people visit churches, time we can be praying for people, you know, who, and praying for churches and people that don't know the Lord so that they can find a group of people that can tell them about the Lord. Now, you know, we all know that it is good to be thankful. We were taught as small children, you know, to say thank you when somebody does something nice for us. But do we realize the gigantic difference between a thankful person and a person that is ungrateful, a person that's not thankful? Do we understand how different that is? And how a thankful person, you know, somebody who becomes a thankful person or is one, how enriched their life is and the lives of those that they're around. Now we're going to be looking at a Bible passage today where the difference between thankfulness and unthankfulness is going to mean everything. We're going to be in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7. And it's a time when Jesus has been invited over by a Pharisee to his house to have dinner with him. And usually when that would happen, people would come because the way those houses were built and arranged, just people would just kind of start coming in and sitting around and listening, especially if Jesus was there. But when we say that a Pharisee has invited Jesus to his house, uh, right away with just that one little piece of information, you might guess that things are going to get interesting So look with me as I read verses 36 through 39. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And you know, most of you know that often they would kind of lay, kind of almost like lay on their side at a table where their heads were all at the table and their feet were out behind them. That was just kind of the posture they did many times for a meal. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. It shows you how much she was crying Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. 
When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of a woman she is, that she is a sinner. So a Pharisee invites Jesus to his home for dinner. And if you're familiar with the way that the religious leaders looked at Jesus, thought of Jesus, then you probably might be already a little suspicious that, okay, there's this, this Pharisee probably has some kind of intention about doing this, not just to be nice. Because we know the religious leaders were constantly trying to trap Jesus in his words. They were always trying to make him look foolish or dumb in front of groups of people when he was teaching. They would try to ask him questions that really people couldn't answer. Of course, they never could make him look dumb, could they? So they always failed at that, but they were always trying. They wanted to get the people to quit trusting in him and quit following him. So here comes this woman, known for her sinful lifestyle, and usually that meant prostitution. So here she comes. She's, she's weeping profusely. She's truly a broken person. She's crying so much that her tears are wetting his feet. She wipes his feet with her hair. She kisses his feet, and she pours perfume on his feet. And I'm thinking, the Pharisees thinking, wow, I couldn't have asked for anything better than this. Like, this is too good to be true. Here is this, this is the Pharisee thinking, here is this supposed holy man of God, and he's allowing this sinful woman to touch him. And she's wiping his feet with her hair. And he's allowing that. He allows her to kiss his feet, anoint his feet with perfume. This proves that he is not a true prophet of God. Because a true prophet of God would know that that woman is a sinful woman because, because of being a prophet. And then he would not allow her to touch him being a holy man. So, Simon's assessment of this incident... <clears throat> was that it proved that Jesus was not a true prophet of God. Not this great prophet that everybody was talking about, you know, as they watched his miracles and listened to his teaching. Because if he were a true prophet, he would have known about this woman, he would not let her near him, she was a disgusting sinner, and he would just not have let her do that. And that would be proof of his holiness. According to a Pharisee, a proof of holiness is to look down upon a disgusting sinner and not get near them. And boy, was she ever near him. So Simon may have been thinking at this point, boy, do I have the goods on this guy. And look at all these witnesses I have. So <clears throat> now we have... We're going to go to verse 40, and it's going to be very interesting there, but let me read verse 39 before we do that. Read it again. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Now look at verse 40. Jesus answered him, Simon, 
I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Now, the interesting word here is the word answered. Jesus answered him. But if you look back at the verse, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, how could Jesus answer him if he didn't even talk to Jesus? At the most, he probably muttered it. Probably he just thought it to himself. But it says, as soon as he said that, Jesus answered him. So, here he is saying, this guy can't be a prophet. And then Jesus answers his thought. Jesus answers what Simon was not saying out loud. Why? How? Because he was a prophet, and much more than a prophet. So you have this room of people. <clears throat> All this is going on with this woman crying, and, and, and you know, she's really making a scene, washing Jesus' feet. Simon is muttering or thinking to himself, this guy can't be a prophet. And as he's saying that, as Simon is thinking or muttering, this guy can't be a prophet. All of a sudden, Simon, <laughs> I can just imagine Simon going, oh, because <laughs> he's thinking this and he doesn't know that Jesus knows it. And, he, and so Jesus says, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher. Seems to be a good bit of irony there that the very time Jesus is being accused of not being a prophet, he does a very prophet-like thing. Responding to a person's thoughts. But let's look at verses 41 through 43. He, he uses a parable. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii. A denarius was the normal payment for a day's work for an average worker. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Quite a difference. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had, given bigger, who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. <clears throat> so there's no major problem there. That's understandable. The one who has forgiven the larger debt would be the one who would love the lender more or be more grateful, wouldn't he? Because he had received such a greater uh, forgiveness. Yeah, the one was ten times bigger than the other. And then Jesus says, you got it right, Simon. Now, here comes probably the most important part of the passage. It shines a bright light on the difference between a woman known as a great sinner and this high-ranking religious leader who practices self-righteousness. So let's look at verses 44 through 47. <clears throat> then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I came into your house. 
You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. That was just a common greeting. <clears throat> kiss on the cheek. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head. And that was common for somebody that was a special guest. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. Her actions showed, revealed her forgiveness that she's received. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. <clears throat> Jesus is saying to Simon, you didn't even offer me the most common courtesies that anyone would offer a guest. You know, they would have a bowl of water there, and sometimes a servant would do it, or a person could do it themselves. A bowl of water because they walked on dusty roads with sandals, and so they could wash off their feet. Simon didn't offer that. No greeting of a kiss, very common. No oil for his head, like I said, common for a special guest. And of course, Jesus, he was, you know, crowds were coming to hear him, so even if Simon didn't really believe in him, it would be appropriate for him to offer him this oil on the head. <clears throat> so Simon really didn't do anything, even the common courtesies for Jesus. And so you think in his mind, why didn't he do this? And I'm thinking because Simon wasn't there to invite Jesus in to honor him. But he was there to invite Jesus in to scrutinize him, to examine him, to test him, catch him in the wrong. Which it seems now he thought he has done because when he saw Jesus allow this woman to wash his feet and pour perfume on them, he thought he, said he had seen all he needed to see to declare this man a phony prophet. But as Jesus was telling Simon how he didn't even offer him what would be more, what would be common courtesy, he also compares Simon's lack of courtesy and respect with the woman's great show of love and respect and gratitude. While Simon offered him no water for his feet, the woman wet his feet with tears of repentance and love and gratitude. While Simon gave him no greeting of a kiss, the woman never stopped kissing his feet. While Simon had no oil for his head, the woman poured perfume on his feet. You see, it's not that just that <clears throat> this woman covered for Simon what he didn't do. She went way beyond to the next level or the next three levels of what Simon didn't do. And so then Jesus says in verse 47... Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. It's not very thankful. Jesus is saying that this woman's over-the-top actions reveal a love and gratitude, 
And that love and gratitude reveals where her heart is toward Jesus. She has truly owned her sins. She has admitted her decadence, her sinfulness, her offenses against the holy God. And she comes to Jesus in repentance. And she's expressing love to him for her, uh, because of her unending gratitude for God's love and forgiveness that she has learned from Jesus. And so she comes to him with a totally different attitude. This sinful woman understands that Jesus was God's gift, his offer of salvation to mankind. And that the way to God is through repentance of our sins, owning our sins and accepting his forgiveness in the person of Christ. She understood salvation is acknowledging her sin and coming to Jesus for forgiveness. She comes to him humbly, broken, repenting, weeping, sorrowing over her sin, but thankful for the gift that God has given. Whereas the Pharisee, remember what he said after seeing all this, he can't be a prophet. He's letting this disgusting woman touch him. Just think of the difference between thankfulness and ingratitude. The ingratitude won't even let him pass a barrier that could lead him to salvation. So we have here this clear contrast between self-righteous, a self-righteous, ungrateful, cynical person who concludes that Jesus is basically a phony and a woman who completely faces up to the truth of her sinfulness, the reality of her sinfulness, who doesn't make any excuses for her life choices. <clears throat> Today we're taught to make excuses for anything, any problem that we have. And we're supposed to <clears throat> kind of rejoice in those excuses. And we're supposed to uh, revel in being a victim this lady doesn't make any excuses. Maybe she had some. Maybe she grew up in a real poor family. Maybe she went to prostitution. She had no money. Who knows? She doesn't give any excuses. She just comes to Jesus with a broken heart and, and, and repentance for her sinfulness and sees him as her only hope and comes in complete repentance and surrender. And she's saying, I have nothing else to put my trust in, only you. So that's the difference between the two. One that's thankful, one that's ungrateful. But now let's look at the last three verses. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. <clears throat> Simon approached Jesus with one attitude. He didn't treat him as an honored guest. He didn't even offer him the common courtesies that you would give to just any ordinary guest. And from that we kind of... Can, Assume that he didn't invite him there to honor him or to learn from him. And then by everything we see and read, 
he was trusting in his own holiness and his self-righteousness to stand justified before God. That's his holiness. Looking at people with disgust. He would never allow that woman to touch him. So Simon was banking on his own goodness to justify himself. And part of that goodness was his disgust towards sinners. And if we are banking on our own goodness, our own self-righteousness, to gain God's acceptance, then there's no gratitude to God. No gratitude for what God has done. And that self-righteous thinking does not lead to thankfulness. It leads to snootiness and pride that looks down on others less than us. And it led to Simon looking at Jesus. Think of this. It led to Simon looking at Jesus himself, the essence of life, the giver of eternal life, the only way to God. And he looks at him and says, he can't be a prophet. He who has been forgiven little loves little or has no thankfulness, no gratitude. And Simon feels like he doesn't need forgiveness. And then we have the sinful woman who totally acknowledges her sin, totally owns her own faults. She comes to Jesus with a completely opposite mindset of Simon. So thankful that God has sent the Savior. So grateful that God is offering forgiveness for her sins. So grateful that she wipes his feet with her hair. She, she pours her expensive perfume on his feet. And then Jesus says, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And she now has the peace of God. Her sins are taken care of. She is right with God. <clears throat> now, just before we, we finish, uh, one thing that I remember is that after I became a Christian, it didn't take long for me to look down on other people that weren't Christians. And so I know how easy that is because I got into a group that really helped disciple me and I just left everything and started going with this other group that just really followed the Lord. And it didn't take me long to look down on others who were just like I was just months before. So I think we really have to watch ourselves that we realize that that's us if we haven't found Christ or if somebody, if our parents hadn't told us or if our friends hadn't told us, that would be us. But we see the difference between gratefulness and self-righteousness and it makes all the difference in the world. We talked about the difference between a thankful person and an unthankful person. How much more, more enjoyable to be around that thankful person. <clears throat> and how much of a chore it is to be around a person that's always unthankful.
It makes all the difference. Those who have been forgiven much, love much. Now it doesn't mean that Simon didn't need much forgiveness. He just felt like he didn't need much forgiveness. And so in that wrong feeling, he wasn't caring about anybody else. We need to be grateful people, don't we? We need to remember where our salvation lies. And it lies only in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I mean, he had to leave his perfect environment where he spent eternity with the Father. He had to leave that and come down here and become one of us and and, and, and live in poverty and, you know, live three years of serving and people treating him badly and people rejecting his message and then going to the cross So we required so much to become Christians. We who have been forgiven much should love much. And we should be very, very grateful people, shouldn't we? We need to remember where our salvation lies. And that should keep us from becoming prideful. You know, we can all think of people who are worse sinners than ourselves. You can think of terrorists, murderers, rapists. But in truth, we all need the grace of God and the salvation that's in Christ just as much as the worst sinner. We're on the same level as the worst sinner as far as what we need to be saved. And if we have received Christ's forgiveness by turning to him, then we have been forgiven much. We have been saved from eternal punishment. So we also should be over the top thankful. Hey, fella. (laughs) And then we can live in peace because we have been saved by grace through faith. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for these dramatic stories in the Bible that teach us such clear lessons. And we thank you that your word is filled with so many good lessons and teachings in all different kinds of forms and all different kinds of literature. And Father, may they penetrate our lives. May the messages of your word reach deep down inside of us and change us into better and better people. May we look with mercy upon those who do not know you and even those who hate you. And Father, may we make a difference in our community, in our world, because we know you. And may we go in peace, in the peace that you offer us, because we have been forgiven much. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.